This is What's the Spread. As always, I'm Dan Starr, your host. Joining me today is Andy Starr. Um, it's uh, season one, episode six, I believe. We're in week four of the Big Ten. Andy, uh, what did you think of last week? Yeesh. Well, accountability check. Uh, things didn't go our way, to say the least. <laughs> now, we might have lost a few listeners, but we're going to gain them back this week. Yeah, so last week was rough, um, looking across the Big Ten. You and I had both you know, thought Michigan was going to have a bounce-back week against Indiana, but they got blown out of the water. Uh, same thing with Iowa. We were kind of down on them, and then they turned their season around and blowed Michigan State out of the, out of the woods too. Uh, we did both get Northwestern uh, covering that three-and-a-half-point spread, uh, which was my lead pipe block of the week. Um, Minnesota's likewise with, uh, Iowa had their bounce back week and, you know, took Illinois out behind the woodshed and beat them 41, 14. So good win for the Gophers. And then Maryland, you were on top of, uh, Talia Tungavailoa taking, uh, care of Penn state and, uh, Sean Clifford. And then also Rutgers, uh, was able to cover that giant 38 point spread against Ohio state. So you went two and four. I went one and five. Uh, but I hit my lead pipe lock. I can't. Remember. I think you had. Um, was it Illinois? Was your lead pipe lock? Yeah. Yikes. Oh, <laughs> let's not talk about that one. Yeah. So that was not the best week for what's the spread. In fact, that was the worst week we've had thus far. So, like you said, time to bounce back. It wasn't great. Some things kind of jumped out at me uh, last week. The big one was Rutgers, um, OSU. OSU was up, I think, 35-3 to at one point in the first half. Might have even been at halftime. And then Rutgers busted out the uh, trick play playbook. They went all in. They had crazy punt returns. They, had, they were throwing it to offensive linemen on goal-to-go situations. And I feel like without those just weird plays, they wouldn't have covered. So I, I don't feel bad about that one. I just feel like we got hosed with just like clown plays. So that one hurt. Um, obviously, Illinois, I misread that one big time. Minnesota, their offense finally clicked for the first time all season. Um, but we, we, I think Northwestern um, is one of those teams. They're 3-0 now. Does the Big Ten West go through Evansville it might it just might yeah we'll have to see you know and uh with that Rutgers game shout out to friend of the show Ethan Walworth who was on top of that one as well with mentioning that Greg Schiano was formerly on the Ohio State staff the last two seasons so uh Ryan Day might have ticked the foot off the gas in the second half there yeah no definitely definitely uh, so this week, we again have six games. We lose one to COVID, and it would have been uh, an interesting game, to say the least. Um, Ohio State, 3-0, and coming in, you know, um, top one of the top teams in the nation, facing off against Talia and the um, upbeat Maryland Terrapins. So we miss out on a weird little matchup that could have been. Uh, Ohio State was a 25-point favorite. Um, going into that game, the game was in Maryland, but we'll never know. Um, how how did you think that would have played out had they played that game? 
Man, it would have been tough to bet against Talia Tungavailoa and Coach Loxley the way they've been playing the last few weeks. But um, I don't know. I think Ohio State's just too good, and that offense is too good. And any any spread in the 20s, I, I always think Ohio State has a chance to do it. So I probably would have stuck with Ohio State there, but it would have been a tough one. Yeah, that one would have been tough for sure. I think Ohio State, their, their offense is great this year, for sure, the top notch. Um, their defense, though, seems to have a few holes in it. Um, they're lacking a little bit of depth that they had in years past. They don't have that true breakout guy like a Chase Young or a Joey Bosa. They just don't have that guy yet. Um, so I think Maryland would have been able to score some points. Um, Ohio State probably would have had to get into the 50s to cover that spread, which isn't impossible for them. So, so I think it would have been close, but good thing we don't have to pick it. Um, but there is six other games this week. We do get a Friday night uh, matchup. We get Iowa negative three and a half points at Minnesota. The Gophers come in um, after their blowout win against Illinois, and Iowa comes in too with a blowout win of them um, of themselves, blowing out Michigan State. So, what are you looking to see in this matchup, Andy? So this is a interesting matchup. So you got Minnesota with one of the worst defenses in the league and Iowa with, you know, not the greatest offense in the league. And then you got Minnesota with, you know, they rank 31st nationally in scoring offense and Iowa ranks 15th nationally in scoring defense. So they're kind of polar opposites. Uh, and both of them, like I said earlier, had their resurgence in week three after, you know, 0-2 starts. So for me, it just comes down to the basics and looking at the rosters and who do I believe in. So for me, I believe in that Minnesota offense, which I had talked about all preseason. And, uh, you know, the jury's still out on Petrus for Iowa, so I don't really believe in that team as much. So I'm thinking, you know, Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman, uh, yeah, Rashad Bateman and uh, Ibrahim. Uh, leading that offense. And then I'm looking at the spread. You know, Minnesota's getting three and a half points at home. Typically when you see, you know, a point spread around three, if it's three and a half, you want to take the points. If it's two and a half, you'll take the favorite. So, you know, given that it's a home dog, it's a three and a half point spread, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, bet Minnesota here. All right, all right. I, I, I feel this line here was made... For the average better, they they're gonna look at the two recent games. They're gonna see Minnesota finally started clicking, um, got that big win, and now they're playing at home. But then, hey, here's Iowa comes in hot as well. But let's put the spread a little bit in favor of Iowa so that everyone's gonna hammer Minnesota. Not so fast, Andy, as my boy Lee Corso would say. <laughs> so PJ Fleck is zero and three in his. First three years against Iowa with an average loss of 9.3 points per game. Okay. Now, I want you outside of Penn State last year when college game day came to Minnesota. Tell me a key win that PJ Fleck has had in the Big Ten. Oof. I can't do it. I mean, that Penn State win was big, but yeah, they, they really uh, didn't show up last year against Wisconsin. So. But that game too, they were hyped. They were it was their first time college game days ever been to Minnesota. They came in undefeated. Like they were gonna win that game no matter what. Then I believe it was the next week they went to Iowa 
and and I and and lost. So and then two weeks after that, lost to Wisconsin. So other than the the Penn State game last year, maybe you can say when they beat Wisconsin a few years back, when Wisconsin was a seven and five team, um, to win Paul Bunyan's axe for the first time in like for fifteen years, that might be the only key win PJ Fleck has had in his three plus years there. So I think he beats up on the the little teams in the Big Ten, but then he struggles against the better teams. So watch out here on Iowa. Iowa's starting to click a little bit on offense. Some key stats kind of jump out to me as well. Iowa has gained eight turnovers in the last three games. Minnesota has only gained three. So I think the turnover margin is going to favor Iowa here. Um, and then here's some rushing statistics that kind of jump out a little bit. So Minnesota is 14th in the nation rushing, right, with Ibrahim, 238 yards per game. Against Illinois and Maryland, they ran like crazy. But Illinois and Maryland are ranked 90th or worse against the run. Minnesota's first game, they played against Michigan, who's ranked 32 against the run. And they were held to only 129 yards. Iowa's run defense, ranked 14th in all the land. Look for Minnesota to struggle on the ground. They're going to struggle on offense like they have um, early on this season. And I think Iowa now, they get Smith-Marset back, um, wide receiver who was out suspended last game. I think their offense is starting to click a little bit. I, I'm taking Iowa in the three and a half here. I'm going against you. Uh, Iowa minus three and a half, right? Yes, sir. All right, yeah. yeah. All right, well, that's fair. Like I said, you know, um, this one was a tricky one for me, but, you know, I'm, I'm just, I believe more in Minnesota. I'm going back to, you know, what I said in the preseason where, you know, Minnesota was my preseason pick to take the, the West, which obviously it's not working out that way. But, um, you know, both these teams, you know, you know, they beat bad teams. Other than that, they really don't have a win on the year. So, you know, I, I'm just taking Minnesota because I believe in them more. All right. Next up, we have Illinois at Rutgers, six and a half point favorite for Rutgers. It is their first time, I believe, that they're favored in a Big Ten game since like 2015. They've only actually been favored in Big Ten games two or three times. Um, so this is kind of shocking. Where do you see this one playing out? So Illinois has uh, had a tough schedule. Right now they're one and two against the spread. Rutgers is two and one against the spread on the season. Uh, both these teams are just horrible on offense. Uh, Rutgers bottom ten in the in the country of all FBS teams. Illinois not much better than that. Um, the Rutgers defense is kind of middle of the pack. Uh, Illinois defense is you know right there at the bottom too, like their offense. Um, but when I look at the schedule here, Illinois played three really good offenses with. Uh, starting the season against Graham Mertz and the Badgers, uh, then going in and playing Purdue, uh, having to deal with Rondale Moore and O'Connell and that high-powered uh, David Bell, that passing offense. And then uh, last week against Minnesota and P.J. Fleck and all, you know, all their weapons. So I think this is the first t time they're going to go against a team that really can't move the ball efficiently. Um and I just don't think Rutgers deserves to be a six-and-a-half-point favorite against anybody. I, I understand they're home. They've been playing well. I think, you know, that that showing against Ohio State might have inflated them. I'm really not accounting their win against MSU for anything, really. I mean, 
MSU had seven turnovers that game. Like that game was so weird. And, you know, they didn't do anything against Indiana to make me, you know, believe in them. So I'm getting six and a half points with Illinois. I'm going to go ahead and take that. It's a very slight lean. I'm not very confident in that, but that's where I'm at. No, I agree. I think six and a half is very heavy for a Rutgers team playing anybody. They could be playing UMass for all I care. They shouldn't be favored by six and a half versus anybody. Um, A few things jump out to me is, like you said, Rutgers offensive statistics. They haven't really been too great. Um, When you look at against MSU, they, you know, overall didn't really put up too many yards at 276 total. Um, They had three turnovers. It was their defense that kept them in the game, or I don't even know if you could say their defense. It was probably more Michigan State's terrible offense turning the ball over seven times. So you got that game. Then you got their game against Indiana. Same kind of thing. They didn't really do too much on offense. They put up 247 total yards, three of 14 on third down. Again, three turnovers. So that's two games in a row. Offense does nothing. And then Ohio State, shockingly enough, they found a way to get 27 points um again they didn't have too many yards but they found a way to get 300 uh, 373 yards um they turned the ball over two more times so a lot of these yards came in the second half too um i don't know i i think illinois this the struggle for me to take illinois here is um brandon peters is still out with covid and that the big tens um just crazy 21 day protocol so he's out um, they have a few others out as well. So I think that's what's kind of hurting them here. And maybe that's why the line's kind of skewed a little bit towards Rutgers. Um, but I think Rutgers offense, the only time they've succeeded is I've talked about it before is when they did all those weird trick plays and they just did things that aren't normal. You know, who's not going to put up with plays like that. Lovey Smith. Okay. He's been in the NFL just like Greg Schiano, but he he knows how to sniff out these fluky plays, these weird, you know, trickeration. So I think Illinois, the six and a half here, I I'm I'm leaning them. The only thing that scares me is all the players that are have been out for COVID, and that seems to hurt Illinois badly, just like it did last week against Minnesota. So that's tough, but I'm Rutgers isn't beating anybody by seven points unless they're turning the ball over seven times. So Illinois here. Yep. I'm with you hundred percent. All right. So moving on, we got our third matchup of the weekend. It's Indiana negative seven and a half at Michigan state university. So Indiana comes in three and oh, they've just been rolling. They got key wins against Penn state to open the year. Uh, They beat Rutgers and then Michigan last week. Michigan State comes in off their blowout loss to Iowa. Um, They're riding pretty high after that victory over their rival Michigan. Um, But they also have a loss to Rutgers. So how do you see this matchup going forward on Saturday? So MSU is bad. (laughs) They don't have a run game. Really, they rely a lot on Lombardi who's just a turnover factory unless he's playing the Michigan Wolverines. If you look at the turnover margin, like Michigan State ranks 121st out of 123 FBS teams. 
They, you know, obviously they have that seven turnover game, but they still, Lombardi threw three interceptions last week, two against Iowa, and we all saw how that game went. Michigan State's, you know, their turnover margin is negative 2.3 per game. So they're giving up the ball a lot. And then you look at Indiana, who's, you know, they're running on all cylinders on offense um, with Freifogel and Wap Fillior, Stevie Scott. You know, these guys are playing, Michael Penix, these guys are playing great. They're 3-0 against the spread. And then if you look at the turnover margin for Indiana, they're plus two, you know, per game. And they've only had two turnovers all season. So they're playing a much cleaner game. And I just, MSU, you know, take away that Michigan game, they've just looked horrible. Like, And then, you know, you look at Michigan, they've looked horrible too. So that game doesn't hold much water for me either. So I'm not. I'm staying on the Indiana train. I'm betting them minus seven and a half. I think they're going to win this game by two touchdowns or more, and I'm feeling pretty comfortable on that one. Ooh, lead pipe lock worthy or not quite yet? You know, if we'll we'll talk about the next matchup. You know, as far as my lead pipe locks goes, there'll be some caveats involved with that one. But um, yeah, this is right up there with a lead pipe lock. But I'm not going to throw it down yet. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you on the turnover margin. Like you said, it's swayed. You got one of the best in the nation versus one of the worst in the nation. Um, MSU had been putting up a ton of yards weeks one and two, but they hadn't played a top 60 defense until they met Iowa last week, and they couldn't do anything on offense. This week they played the 39th ranked total defense in all the land in Indiana, so I think they're going to struggle again on offense. Um, and then, uh, Iowa's defense has, um, their first game, they gave up 11 yards per completion. Um, but then in their last two games, the, the, it's, uh, or excuse me, the, the Michigan state Spartans in their first game, they completed 19 yards per completion against Michigan state. So I think. Iowa kind of slows that pass game down a little bit um, from Rocky Lombardi. And like you said, Michigan State doesn't run the ball. So Indiana's offense has been clicking finally. Um, They got playmakers on every, you know, every um, position. So Indiana, seven and a half. I think that half point might be a little bit key. But like you said, this this could get ugly early. Um, and I see them covering this pretty easy as well. Um, but it's not quite my lead pipe lock yet either. Um, like you said, there's some matchups going forward, but I, I like this Hoosier team. Are you jumping on the bandwagon with me finally? Hey, I was on, I, I bet they're over on the win total, I, you know, but yeah, for sure. I think this team, you know, has what it takes to, they're probably going to be, you know, finish second in that division, you know, behind Ohio State when it's all said and done. You know, that might be their only loss. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Right. No, this is this is this will be an interesting game to watch. I'm excited for that one out of the first three games we've gone through. I think that this one will be kind of the most interesting to see what happens. Um, can Michigan State get back on track at home? Um, playing a very good Indiana team. I don't see it. So let's let's move on to the next one here. We got Penn State coming in as a three-point favorite at Nebraska. If you would have told me in the beginning of the year that Nebraska is 0-2, I would have believed you because their schedule is horrendous. But had you told me Penn State was 0-3, 
I would have laughed at you all the way to the loony bin. So uh, surprisingly, no one has a win in this matchup yet. Who's coming away with the victory on Saturday, Andy? It's it's it, Penn State is a very confusing team. So you look at their total offense; they they average 415 yards per game, but they're only translating that to 26 points per game. And then you look at their defense; they're giving up, you know, pretty similar, but 385 yards per game. But then they're giving up 36 points per game. So their scoring defense doesn't and and their scoring offense doesn't really translate to the total yards. So I think eventually water has to find its level. Um, their defense has only forced two turnovers in three games, which is seems low. It is low, but you got to think at some point, you know, even a blind chicken can, you know, find some seeds here and there. Uh, Nebraska, you know, they don't really give the ball up too. Well, they do. They have, they've had four turnovers in their two games. So, you know, you can you can definitely force some turnovers against them. Um, but with Penn State, you know, we've talked about their running game extensively with, you know, Journey Brown. We've all heard the news of him this week. He's not going to be playing football any longer with a heart condition. And they lost Noah Kane to a season-ending in, injury in week one. So it, their whole offense kind of runs through Sean Clifford. So they are pretty one-dimensional. But, um, you know, they – like I said, you know, eventually I feel like water has to find its level. This is still a good Penn State team. Um, and Nebraska is still really young. Uh, I know they're at home. Um, but when I look at this game, I just feel like Penn State's going to get it back on track and win it and probably by at least three. So I'm leaning Penn State, but, you know, I'm not 100% confident on that one. Right. Now, this is, like you just said, an interesting matchup. So Penn State, since Journey Brown's been out, they had 44 yards rushing and then 94 yards rushing in their two games without him. Um, they've had to rely on Sean Clifford, who has thrown five interceptions in three games, but he also has nine touchdowns. So he, he's kind of like the Jameis Winston of uh, college football right now. And then when I look at Nebraska, I'm trying to find a way on how they're going to get the offense to score points to win this game against Penn State. And I just don't see it. They still have Adrian Martinez at quarterback. Um, he hasn't been that great year after year. He gets a lot of hype, um, but he just doesn't produce consistently. Um, he likes to use his feet. He has run for 93 rushing yards per game in his first two games. Penn State held Fields, Penix Jr., and your boy Talia to negative nine yards total in three games on the ground. So I think that's a stat right there where it basically shows you Nebraska is going to struggle, okay, because Adrian Martinez likes to use his feet. Penn State's not going to let him. So I think Penn State, like you said, they have, they have the talent, and cream rises to the top, okay? So – I think Penn State negative three here is a very low spread for Penn State. It's probably the lowest you're going to get all season, in my opinion. So I have to take it here. Um, Nebraska just isn't quite there yet under Scott Frost. Um, you know, I bet he's regretting leaving UCF. But Penn State's not going on four. They're not going on four. They're winning this game. And if they're winning this game, they're winning by three or more. So I'm taking Penn State. I'm with you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Sean Clifford's going to account for 300 yards, 
and I think they get a comfy W here. You know, like I said, maybe maybe a touchdown, 10 points, something like that. But I think they can uh, come out with a win here. Right. No, definitely. I think the spread's lower just after that blowout loss to Maryland, but they got behind early. They just never recovered. And I think people are, you know, that's where they came up with this spread. Um, but don't just go off that one game. They still look pretty good against Ohio State in a close win. And if not for, you know, a two-point conversion or, you know, Indiana basically had to get a touchdown late and a two-point conversion to go to overtime. So Penn State could have easily won that game. And now Penn State, let's say they're one and two. The the spread's going to be 10 points in this game. So Penn State here, negative three, you got to take it. Moving on, we got the Badgers. They're finally playing. They've been off for a couple of weeks. They're going to be a four-point favorite in Ann Arbor playing the University of Michigan. This is a interesting matchup because we just don't know if quarterback Graham Mertz is going to be back. Um, they say that the timeline fits that he should be able to play, but he hasn't been cleared yet. So, Andy, how do you see this one turning out on Saturday? So, yeah, you said it. This all depends on QB availability for me. Um you know, obviously Wisconsin looked fantastic week one there in that Friday game against Illinois. They didn't even have to rely on their run game, which is, you know, usually what you see when you think Wisconsin. Um, and then you look at their pass game, Mertz looked incredible. Jake Ferguson looks like he's an NFL-ready tight end, you know, keeping with that tradition as well. Um, and then you think of Michigan. They've just, whew, they've been... They've had a rough couple of weeks here, um, and their pass defense um, ranks 104th, I believe, in the uh, FBS, and they're almost allowing 300 yards per game. So now you've got this new Wisconsin pass game, which you know I'm sure shocks everybody, coming into Ann Arbor, and um, you know we're, we're going to see if this Michigan defense has you know what it takes to slow that down whether it's Mertz or uh Wolf but like I said if it's Mertz they're going to they're going to struggle and it's going to they're going to struggle early and then you look at Michigan you know what what we've been talking about since we started doing this was you know they've got these D linemen well one of those D linemen Aiden Hutchinson broke his leg and now he's out for I'm assuming the season so you know what is Michigan's calling card right now? Milton looks horrible. Uh, their running game is okay, I guess, but you know Charbonnet and Haskins haven't really been you know outstanding. So if Mertz is playing this game, I'm betting Wisconsin minus the four, and that would be my lead pipe lock of the week. And Grant, like oh, I said, boy. this is all this is all um, hinging on if Mertz is available. If Mertz isn't available, I would move back to my Indiana game as my lead pipe lock with the minus seven and a half. But if he's there, Batch is going to win this game by 20, 30 points easy. Okay. All right. I I tend to agree with most of what you said there. 20, 30 points might be a little bit high. Um, but is, is Mertz going to be available? So timeline says he can play. Most people that have had COVID symptoms, it's only been a couple of days. They end up getting cleared in about 10 to 14 days. So I think he's available. I just don't think they're announcing it yet. So the thing that scares me, though, is 
as Mertz tested positive, then in the next few days, several other players tested positive. I believe they had 15 athletes on the team test positive. Who are those guys? Because they haven't said. They haven't really told us who it is. There's some word that maybe backup quarterback Chase Wolf was one of them. But I want to know how many of these guys are defensive starters because that's where this game's going to come down to me. If, if it comes out that there's like three or four defensive starters that aren't available to play, that's where Wisconsin's going to struggle. So um, some key stats, though, just outside of looking at COVID here. So Michigan, um, like you said, they're, they're um, passing yards per game, terrible on defense. Um, they're also terrible when it comes to third down. So they're 88th in all the land um, getting off the field. And they also give up 23 first downs per game, which is just astounding to me. Um, What went well for Michigan? So you look at week one, they averaged 8.3 yards per rush and kind of controlled the game against Minnesota. Then against Michigan State, they struggled. They only had about 4.3 yards per rush. And then when you look against Indiana, they had 13 total yards rushing. 13. So their run game is lacking. They are going three and out on offense, and then they're allowing teams to sustain drives on on defense. Um, And that's Wisconsin's MO. That's what they do. They they do seven, eight-minute drives and lull you to death. Um, And then a big thing that jumps out to me, Andy, is Wisconsin returns nine defensive starters. Last year, when you look at the Badgers uh, versus the Wolverines, U of M statistics on offense were terrible. They were 0 for 11 on third down, 299 total yards, 259 passing, 40 rush yards, four turnovers. Those statistics are eerily similar to what they had last week against Indiana. Um, So I think those statistics are going to be eerily similar this week against Wisconsin, um, unless they're missing a ton of guys due to COVID. But I agree with you. I'm taking Wisconsin to negative four because I think that's very low. Um, but let's see what happens with the COVID. But either way, I might still take them. To, if if Mertz is playing, I, I might still take them regardless. Yeah, Wisconsin, you know, we just have that one game sample size against a, a an Illinois offense, which we now know isn't that good. But Wisconsin's coming, coming in with the top defense in the country. So, uh, I, I don't think- and, and Wisconsin has had... 20 it'll be 21 days to prepare for this game they knew right away they weren't going to play against nebraska and they probably knew fairly early on they weren't going to play against purdue so they've been prepping for michigan now for a long time so they got a lot of tape on them they've been studying them for weeks and there's some rumors going around andy i don't know if you've heard anything here on uh, that's credible or not but i've heard some stuff that says jim harbaugh might part ways mutually at the end of the year with uh, U of M. Oh yeah. That's all the talk in the town around here. You know, he's getting questioned about, you know, if he's going to go back to the NFL or not. And he obviously, you know, coach speak, he's not really talking about that, but this is the last year of his contract and they haven't extended him. So all the writing on the wall says this has got to be his last season, especially the way the season's been going. Yeah. And if, if there's any truth to that story at all, Wisconsin is going to win handedly here. All right, so the last matchup of the week, Andy, we get Northwestern as a three-point favorite 
at Purdue. Northwestern comes in hot. They're 3-0. and Like I said, you know, does, uh, does the Big Ten West go through them? Um, and then Purdue, they missed out last week. Uh, they would have played Wisconsin, but the game got canceled. Um, and so, you know, this they got a little bit of rest, got healthy a little bit. How do you see this game playing out at Purdue? So this would be – they should just call this the game of the week in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, these two undefeated teams – uh, Northwestern comes in with the 16th ranked defense, but I do think they got away with one last week against Nebraska. Granted, that was my lead pipe lock, so I'm happy to take the W there. But they gave up 440 yards to Nebraska, which, you know, that's a lot. They were lucky to leave that game with only giving up 13 points. I don't think they could do that again. Um, Purdue has a much better offense than Nebraska. Uh, and they know how you know good pasties like uh, like Northwestern, who's only allowing 192 pass yards per game on defense. Purdue's good against those type of defenses, like like uh, earlier against Iowa. O'Connell's you know he's throwing for 300 yards easy against these good pass defenses. Um, Purdue doesn't run the ball much. They do have Xander Horvath, who's just a behemoth of a man, so they can do it. Uh, but they're they're only averaging less than 100 yards rushing per game. Um, Northwestern is three and zero against the spread. So it's hard for me to bet against them, you know? So then you start to look at where you can find an advantage. Um, both teams have, are like close to top of the nation with turnover margins. So for me, it's going to come down to who can, you know, win that turnover battle. Um, and then I, you know, looking at it, would you say it was a two and a half point or a three point spread? Three point spread. I have it at currently. Okay. So that's pretty good. That's a good line. So I think it's probably going to be around a three point game. Um, I'm leaning Purdue with the points, just being at home. Uh, you know, I, it, it's hard for me to bet a home dog when these teams are, you know, on paper look so even. So that's why I'm leaning Purdue, but you know, not too much confidence on that one. Okay. All right. Uh, I obviously have not given my lead pipe lock of the week yet. So this game features that team. So a few stats that jump out to me. So Nebraska defense, they're pretty darn stout. So they're 28th against the run, 122 yards per game, 23 against the pass, 192 yards per game. Like you said, they had their struggles against Nebraska, um, but I think they'll short up. They, Returned a ton of guys on defense. They, you know, led by Patty Fisher, my guy. Um, Purdue offense, like you said, terrible against, uh, terrible running the ball. They're 115th um, in the nation, 93 yards per game. However, they're 15th in the nation passing the ball. Um, so something's got to give there. Is it going to be Northwestern's defense or is it going to be Purdue's offense? So Purdue um, had their, you know, struggles a little bit early on against Iowa. And then they absolutely blew the doors off um, their second win there, um, passing the ball against Illinois. So the key stat that jumps out to me is red zone offense, red zone defense. So when you look at uh, Purdue's red zone offense, they're ranked 106th in the nation. They've had 10 trips to the red zone. They've only gotten five touchdowns and two field goals and three non-scores. 
Then you look at Northwestern. They're seventh in red zone defense. They've had 11 teams come into the red zone on them. They've only given up three touchdowns out of those 11 trips and only four field goals and four non-scores. So like you said, this game's going to be tight, and it's going to come down to that red zone who, who is punching the ball in. And I don't think Purdue is going to do it against this Northwestern defense that might bend a little bit, like you said, against Northwestern or against Nebraska. But they only gave up 13 points, Andy, um, giving up all those yards. So, yes, they bend a little bit, but they're not breaking. So I'm taking Northwestern here. They're coming in hot. They're 3-0. and um, And I'm really liking this team. So this is my lead pipe lock of the week. Northwestern, three points on the road. Lock it up. Yeah, I can't really argue much with what you said. I think, uh, you know, Northwestern has looked phenomenal this week. I don't think anyone thought this game was going to be the battle of the undefeateds at the start of the year, but here we are. (laughs) Right, no, and looking back on it, that Iowa game, Iowa should have won that game. They kind of, I feel like it was Petra's first starts or they're trying to ease them in a little bit, give them some confidence. If they played that game again right now, I think Iowa wins it pretty handedly. So um, Northwestern, I think, is a, a similar team um, to Iowa. I think they're a better defense than Iowa right now. Um, Northwestern's offense isn't quite there for me yet, but I think their defense is just going to shut down Purdue. Um, so give me Northwestern here. Fair enough. Like I said, both these teams do a good job protecting the ball. So I think whoever makes those mistakes early and gives up, you know, a short field to somebody, that's going to be the difference in this game. Sure. All right. Why don't you give us a quick little recap of the six match? All right. So first one, Friday game, Iowa at Minnesota. I took Minnesota in the points. You have Iowa minus the three and a half. Uh, we were both on Illinois with a six and a half at Rutgers. Um, both of us took Indiana minus the seven and a half at MSU. Um, what was next? Then we Penn State uh, minus three. Both of us took them at Nebraska minus three points. Uh, both of us were on Wisconsin minus four at the Big House against Michigan. And you and I flip-flopped on the Northwestern-Purdue game with you taking Northwestern minus the two-and-a-half. I took Purdue with the points. And that was your lead pipe lock, and I took Wisconsin for the lead pipe lock. Although I did put a little uh, footnote there. If Mertz doesn't play, then I'm shifting my lead pipe lock to the Indiana game. I like it. I like it. going to be a fun weekend, Andy. And just as always... What are you looking outside of the Big Ten this weekend when it comes to betting? You know, I this Thursday, uh, these Friday games, you know, I was in the last minute doing my research on the Big Ten, so I didn't get a chance to look at any of the other matchups going around. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm interested in some of these Pac-12 players. Like uh, my boy Keaton Slovis came back against Arizona State last week with two late touchdowns. And then uh, Oregon's got a playmaker up there in C.J. Verdell. So I'll be watching some of those games, especially uh, you know Saturday night So when those come on. Sure. No, I, I completely agree with you. Um, the Pac-12 is kind of interesting because they got the super late start, so no one really knows anything about them, but there's some sneaky good teams out there. Um, so when I look at where am I going to bet outside of the Big Ten, 
again, I'm an American Conference guy. I'm looking at my boys, Cincinnati here. So they're a 27 and a half point favorite um, against uh, East Carolina. East Carolina has played everyone pretty tough so far. Um, they have some close losses against decent teams. So I think this is one of those games where Cincinnati um, just doesn't have the firepower to blow them out by over four touchdowns. So I know I love Cincinnati. I know everybody kind of is high on them right now. But this East Carolina team, even though they're one in five, they have some close losses. Um, they just stick, hang around in games. So watch out for the East Carolina Pirates plus 28 and a half. Very nice. I like it. All right. So as always, you know, give us a, give us a follow on Twitter. I'm at DSTAR18. I'll be throwing these picks up here shortly. Um, and then, you know, you, you can give a little plug as well. Yeah, I'm at uh, Real A Star, and I will also be retweeting the episode and putting some picks up. And, yeah, we'll get, get after it and see how these go. Hopefully we got to do better than last week. Can't do worse, right? we got to do better. But at the same time, for the bonus picks, if you guys hang around and listen this late in the show, on um, the last two weeks, I'm 3-0-1. So that's, uh, that's pretty good picking right there. I might have to just start picking outside of the Big Ten. Hey, man, if it's it. working for you, you got to make that money. Right. So, as always, please gamble responsibly.